It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring special guest star Mr. Scott Warren. Yeah! He's so nice, he came back twice. <laughs> That was my. Did you, did you write that last <laughs> yeah, night? Yeah, I did. That was my poetry <laughs> contribution for the week. Maybe later in the show I'll do a limerick. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Never could do limericks worth a damn. Anyway, uh, last week uh, we had Scott on the show, or two weeks ago we had Scott on the show, and uh, I, I was hoping that you guys would ask more questions that were kind of taxi A&R department specific. Um, rather than what's the best way to get my music to the industry or how many years does it take really general stuff i mean this is a guy that listens to hundreds if not thousands of songs in a a month yeah yeah <laughs> he's really uh quite expert oh hello you guys sorry i didn't say hello to uh our regulars and some new faces i saw in there but uh hello bob gloria mcgayeth uh, Stephen is a new person. Hello, Stephen. Amanda, Rob Green, uh, Ken, Mark, tune up. Hey, guys. Anyway, uh, so we've got Scott back in the hot seat again. Happy to be here. And glad to have you here because yeah. when he's here, it's less work for moi. So we are going to listen to some songs today. Uh, producer Bria picked us some stuff and... Uh, why don't we start out with one right now? Let's do it, yeah. All right. You guys ready for a song? Okay. Uh, oh, and by the way, we don't mention the artist names. Um, oh, we're not doing that? Okay. No, uh, just because sometimes people get bad news and they don't want to be identified publicly. So we just gotcha. yeah, talk about the writer, the artist. So this first one is called Wonderful Day, and it is an artist pitch. Um so let's have a listen and see what we can see. Firing up my little flying saucer CD player. Yeah. I'm glad I lost my child today. I'm looking in the mirror and I don't know what to say. I'm bullied by the way the world looks at me It hurt at first but I know that it only set me free And now the sun is shining through the trees I'm easy like a summer breeze Now I can't help but say what a wonderful day Yeah, The sun is shining down on me I'm right where I'm supposed to be Now I can't help but say what a wonderful day Set me free. I guess 
for my excellent audio post of the hand Both. claps coming in right at the end. Both, yeah. <laughs> Good timing. All right, what say you? Well, uh, do you know how, what was the running time on that song? Uh, the running Did time was three minutes and 17 seconds. Okay. Um, it, uh, first and foremost, I think uh, I was immediately pulled in by the vocal, mm -hmm. which I think was super strong. I made um, a note. Great voice. Awesome voice, great tone. It really like drew me into the song and to the storyline, which was good um, because it was it's relatable. Um, it's something I think everyone experiences, and and that to me makes um, you know made me connect with it even more. Yeah. Um, and it, I should mention, uh, which I didn't, uh, but he says that that is an artist pitch. So okay. Um, I also think it could work for film and TV in some regards. Uh, you know, normally I wouldn't advise pitching something because the chorus works for film and TV. They will listen to the whole song. Mm -hmm. But the concept of Wonderful Day is, yeah. is something that gets used a it's lot. It's really relatable. And um, I could see, I mean, the summary vibe that mm -hmm. kind of comes out of it, I could see that working in a bunch of different scenarios. I think the song as a whole has really great sectional contrast. Each individual part is really well defined, um, which is awesome. Um, the other thing that I that I took note of was that um, each succeeding verse and chorus had something really interesting going on um, that showed development from the earlier uh, parts. So, like mm -hmm. verse one had something interesting going, and then verse two, you know, there's just the I I can't remember off the top of my head what texture it was, but but it felt like the production was evolving throughout the song, which I thought, it, which is great, because whether a listener realizes it or not, it's something that really, it, it creates depth yeah. and interest, and it keeps you, keeps you kind of hooked in. 
Yeah, it's that forward momentum. So you're not. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself daydreaming, it didn't have that thing you're talking about. But you're right; it, it totally engages you. Yeah. Um, one moment that felt a little odd to me was were the pauses that happened in between the pre-chorus lines. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that felt a little. It, it almost like the forward movement felt like it it came to an abrupt halt. Yeah. So that kind of threw me for a loop. I almost felt like, even though the song is only three minutes and seventeen seconds, I almost felt like it could be streamlined just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, whether it be to trim down the pre-chorus a little bit to get to that that meteor kind of like um, what a wonderful day with the background vocal part or you know, somehow, somehow it felt like it could be, you know, streamlined just a bit. I was shocked when you asked me to check the runtime on it, and it was 3.17. I would have thought that it was four and a half minutes because I felt the same thing. By the time we got down to here, by the time we got to the bridge, I felt like it could have been on its way out, and it wasn't yet. Yeah. And then it went back to the pre-chorus again before the chorus, which mm -hmm. felt a little unnecessary, although it's a really good pre-chorus. I agree with you. I think that I think that you could hit that chorus and out and be um, be just fine in terms of you know getting out of the song. Um, but I think the bones are there. Mm -hmm. Great tune. Um, I would just suggest some some tightening up of the overall structure. That would if, be what I would say. In the world of record companies, um, less so in film and TV, uh, but record companies, you go into a meeting, uh, I've been in many meetings where they said to me, yeah, it's really good, but it's a little derivative. Name the artist that you might think this is derivative of. Well, um, if you do, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I just did. That's it's that's nothing is coming to mind. I heard some production elements that kind of reminded me of like Stevie Wonder a little bit. Yeah. Um, but in terms of contemporary artists, what who were you thinking? I was thinking Stevie Wonder, and I I was worried that it dated it somewhat. The first thing I I listened to stuff before you came down here, and, yeah. and when I heard this, I really liked it, and I thought. But, you know, it's an artist pitch, and they're going to say, well, we've already had Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. and this sounds a little too close. Uh, his vocal, it, it, put it in the world of film and TV, if somebody said, I need a song that sounds like Stevie Wonder, this would be the first thing I'd hold up and go, yeah. there you go. And then he's got the chromatic harmonica in there. That's what I was going to say. That's what made me feel like, like the whole, it yeah. brought the kind of Stevie kind of vibe into it, you know? And did the sound effects... Um, I was I shouldn't have been listening for film and TV, but I do remember having the thought it's got birds chirping at the front, which sets a nice ambiance for the wonderful day aspect of it. And at some point, I think it was city background noise. I had a hard time discerning if it was waves or the city, but I think it was the city. And I thought, well, that would kill it for film and TV. It would. But, but for record stuff, if you were to walk into a label. Um, would an A&R person, they would get past that, right? And go, oh, well, we could take that out. I feel like they would with for an artist pitch. But I would say if you're going to pitch that for, um, for film and TV, you need, to, you, need to, you need an alt mix without right. those elements. Um, I noticed a couple people uh, in the chat room that were saying, you know, this would be great for this artist or that artist um, if you were pitching it just as a song for modern artists and I forget 
who you guys were talking about, but you were right on both counts. Um, was it Bruno Mars and somebody else? Um, it, it's pretty close to contemporary, but the Stevie factor kept pulling me back. Mm -hmm. And this would be true for an artist pitch, a song pitch to an artist or film and TV that you'd never want to sound dated. And there's a fine line between dated and retro inspired. Right. So what's your take on... The, to me, I, th I, would, I would think it would be, for an artist pitch, I would think it would be cool. Okay. Um, in my opinion. Um, because, you know, if it's for a producer, um, they're generally going to have that thought in their head, like, okay, they're going to immediately know what it is and say, well... If we, if, you know, we could, we could freshen it up by doing this and that and that, I mean, the melody is there. Um, I don't, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with, okay. with, with it being too retro. It felt, um, the production felt good to me. Like it felt, it felt like current, um, and well, you know, polished. So they knew what they were doing. There's yeah, no question for sure. about that. So to me, um, the, the main thing that I would suggest attending to would be that pause. Right, because it happened it again. Just, the first time I thought, was that a glitch in, yeah. in the recording? And then it happened again, so it was clearly intentional. Um, to try and drive through that moment or try to condense the pre-course down um, to streamline things just a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking at the pre-chorus, sorry. I'm looking at the pre-chorus lyric. Uh, it, it is twice as much space on a piece of paper as it feels like it should be, but yeah. when I'm reading the lyric, it's like, how would I edit that? And I love the line, sun is shining down on me, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and I can't help but say. Uh, it's hooky for sure. Yeah. Yeah, really good lyric craft, by the way. I, I hope this gentleman's watching the show and hearing this feedback. But the lyric craft, um, it's concise and, and rhythmic in its delivery. It's got a lot, lot yeah. going for it. It does. It's not one of those moments where you're like, okay, like there's so many words here that there's no rhythmic catchiness. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Ten pounds of crap um, in a five-pound bag. It definitely, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely like feels, uh, the phrasing feels good. Um, but yeah, there was just that one moment that kind of jumped out at me, like where I said, well, why, you know, why wouldn't you want to just continue that forward movement? Yeah. But, um, overall, cool too. Awesome job. Uh, hope that was helpful. So now let's do a couple of questions before we listen to the next one. And some of the stuff we touched on last time, um, and I, I want to hit you guys up. So I'm going to hit Scott with a question or two now. And why don't you guys come up with a question? Do me a favor. Um, also, type the word question in all caps before it so it jumps out. Because last time we found that we had so many people talking about they were having pizza for dinner uh, or, or what have you, that that stuff was obscuring the questions. A little hard to find them. Oh, Polly's already got one, so let's go with it. Oh, Polly's got uh, do you always check the lyrics field when songs are submitted, even for instrumentals? I sometimes include descriptive info just in case the screeners do read it. So I think he's saying he includes, you know, like a note to the screener in the lyric thing on the on what the screener sees. Your um, 
I don't always open the lyrics up uh, for instrumental-only performances. That wouldn't make sense to. Um, always for, you know... Um, song songs. For song songs. <laughs> and, and I would point out that if you don't do that, um, it makes it a little bit harder to screen the song. So if, you don't if you're out there and um, it really does help us screeners to, um, to have those lyrics... Uh, because it's it just you know you can just follow right along and 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 kind of break down the structure and just kind of see things a little more clearly. Wow, the questions are rolling in. Uh, recently, research, uh, Polly also asked. I recently received a return because an EDM track sounded too much like the stuff out there already. Isn't that the goal in most cases? Trying to match the feel of the alas. Um, it might have been too close. Um, that might have been the reason why they got bounced back. Like it didn't have enough of a defined, uh, you know, style, you know, distinctive personality. And listing, without seeing listing in front of us, it's tough to know because it might have said, if it had the word fresh or looking for something a little new and different, library owners in particular always say, give me something fresh, but they are kind of looking for the same old thing, but they mm -hmm. would like just that one little thing that makes it sound better than what's in everybody else's catalog. I think. Yeah. Um, I think looking at it from like a perspective of an artist pitch, if it sounded too much like Mumford and Sons, if it had too many of the things that they do in their productions, well, you would, you would say, okay, like this is, you've, you've done a good job of, of, of capturing um, the genre, but you should try to put your own spin on things a little bit more so that you stand out. And you said that was for an artist pitch in particular, or oh, just, I just took it to to. Or are you talking? Film yeah, TV? I, I just took general. it. I just took general like, from the EDM to EDM instrumental to a more kind of like um, vocally driven kind of approach. Um, so hopefully that made sense. Uh, Okay, question, Scott, what genre bucket would you put this in? Same question for each critique, please. Uh, I think McGath is talking about the song we just uh, heard. R&B influenced pop? Yep, I would agree. Okay, that's two votes for that. <laughs> <laughs> we rehearsed before the show, as you could tell. Um, Giza X, uh, in film and TV, isn't derivative or sound like a good thing, i.e. lower budget than the original? Uh, I would say there's the fine line like we just talked about. Right. Um, I feel like capturing the vibe of something, the magical word vibe that we like to use. Yes, we do. Capturing the vibe as opposed to being, being a kind of like a copycat. Yeah. You know, that, those are the two camps, you know, and sometimes um, they want something really close and sometimes they want something a little more outside of the box you know like um, remember you don't hear it as much anymore but the variation on clocks Coldplay clocks that you hear in every <laughs> single commercial from like the past five years it's like okay they wanted the exact copycat right but they wanted a slight tweak now um, a lot of people just want, you know, they want something that captures the spirit, but doesn't just try to lift it by changing a, a, a note here and there. You right. know what I mean? 
And they have to be really careful too, especially right. advertising agencies, because they do have bigger budgets and they will reach out to Coldplay and try and license clocks. And then when they can't make a, a deal, then they'll put the word out that they want a replacement. But we won't run a listing that says they're looking for a sound alike or a replacement. Um, we will write up a listing that gets you in that ballpark. But we don't want to be a party to that because, look, you guys wouldn't want to be cloned or ripped off. Um, and we wouldn't want to do that to anybody. But if the thing that they liked at the ad agency was the bell tones on the guitar or the certain rhythmic pocket, or mm -hmm. they may have cut the video to the tempo of yeah. the song. And, and with the then BPM, the, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden that becomes important to them. So we put it together and try and analyze what is it about it that's working for them. Well, it's the guitar tone, it's the BPM, but we or the arpeggiated kind of like progression. You yeah, know? yeah. A any of those things, but we're not going to tell you to try and rip it off. Sometimes music soups will flat out know that they don't have the money for a big budget for a song that would require a big budget and so they will just put out that they're looking for a replacement for xyz mm -hmm. and frankly that's a little dangerous as well because uh you know the, nowadays there have been some lawsuits about you're stealing our sound not just our copywritten song right I mean, copyrighted song sorry i've made that mistake on yeah so i think just to kind of like just to kind of finish that thought like Capture the spirit and put your own spin on it would be the best mm -hmm. course of action and, and try to take bring some of the tonal kind of textures into the fold but but try to be your own try to be your own unique kind of artistic um, individual. This is a question that I'm really glad um, Russell is asking Russell Landwehr is asking when screening how many times do you listen to a song on a full critique uh, versus a yes no uh, you know Oh, but, a full critique? Yeah, an S listing. Um, how far, people usually ask me, you know, how long do they listen? How deeply into the song? Or do they listen to it more than one time? So what would you, as rep, being Generally two times okay. on an S. I'll listen to it twice. Uh, the, a lot of people think that the screeners listen like 15 seconds and write a critique on an S. And I know that couldn't be fair. I like to do the first run and just kind of listen. And just really kind of follow the lyrics and not worry about like what I'm gonna say, uh, and just kind of try to feel it all, you know. And and then um, usually by the midpoint, I kind of have an idea of what I want to of what I want to say. If it's um, if it's a return, if it's a forward, I usually know pretty quick within right. the first thirty seconds to a minute if it's if it's right for the listing. Um, but um, if it's a return, usually by the midpoint you start to gather kind of things like okay, like maybe the maybe the verse uh, maybe the verse chorus relationship could have been more contrasting, or maybe that chorus could have lifted up more from the verse. Uh, the song's a little long, like maybe you could have um, done a half chorus the first time around instead of a, you know just like little things that pop out, and then I just start to write. I've noticed, uh, I used to screen a lot many, many years ago, back in the prehistoric days. Um, and I found that, oh, back then we were doing it with pencil and paper. We didn't even have computers to do them on. And I would make little notes like um, verse lyric, uh, first verse lyric makes no sense. Notes to myself, then go back and flesh it out on the second pass. 
but officially we tell the screeners you need to listen as far as the bridge so that you've heard all elements of the song because we just had one about a week ago somebody was complaining you guys didn't listen all the way through my song it was a five minute and 15 second song if i remember correctly and there was a different element probably five minutes and six seconds into it right before the song ended there mm -hmm. was like a little pre-chorus or a bridge or something and screener missed it because they'd heard the verse the chorus and the next verse chorus and a bridge and they went okay now i know all the elements right yeah so the, the in that instance um a little bit like too little too late kind of mentality like it yeah. should have it, it should have appeared earlier because um the screener felt like um they needed to be grabbed sooner by whether it be a change or contrast or, and what would john q public do probably yeah. change the radio station mm -hmm. so yeah it's you wonder sometimes when people put a little odd thing way at the tail and i think the reason a lot of people do it is I'm going to give them one last little piece of ear candy to kind of wave goodbye to them, but mm -hmm. it, they're gone already in a lot of cases. Right. Better to do it earlier on. Um, like they say, get to the chorus. Uh, okay. I enjoy hearing a bridge in a song, but after listening to Billboard Awards, it seems that the bridge is going away. Is that a new thing as far as song structure? That's a really good question. Um... You know, I cover a lot of genres. Um, as far as what you scream? Yeah. Um, and write in, in um, typical singer-songwriter uh, rock. And, you know, for me, the bridge has not gone away. But perhaps for um, some of the more mainstream top 40 stuff, maybe you hear less. Um, I think the more EDM-driven, dancey stuff, maybe, but as far as straight-up pop songs, I still hear a lot of bridges, definitely hear a lot of bridges in country. Mm -hmm. um, but stuff that's very dancey with uh, lyrics that are more, shall we say, inane, that you might not hear a bridge. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. Maybe a, a breakdown of sorts, rather than a bridge. But they've yeah, got a breakdown some with some sort of build out into another chorus. Um, yeah, I think I, I think the, the the bridge is alive and well. Um, it just it's all dependent upon um, where you are genre wise. Um, so we already answered Polly's question about how far they're required to listen. And I want to let you know that we don't put time pressure on where we say, okay, we've got 621 submissions, which would be a lot for a particular listening. Guys, just listen, you know, to the first verse and chorus, and, and we don't give them instructions like that. Um, scrolling down. Okay, now we've drifted off into what time is it in Ireland? More questions. Uh, I saw one up above about an instrumental something. What oh, there you go. What must an instrumental track have in order to be appealing today? Um, I always feel your best bet for an instrumental track, instrumental cue, is an ABA um, type structure, which is um, your A would be your main melodic idea, your B section um, would be a slight development or change, if you will, on that, coming back to the A um, and closing out at a kind of an emotional high point and then buttoning it up. Yep. That's what I would... 
that's that's what I would suggest and and um, keeping it um, concise um, I think you're better off with the two minute um, cue than uh, than three to four minutes and um, I think it's important to you know production obviously to be at the level of what's of what's currently you're hearing in various commercials and and backgrounds and you know and in background source so it's funny they bring up commercials last night uh, I actually worked on a Sunday about six or seven hours I was laying in bed and watching TV and of course I was thinking taxi taxi members and music mm -hmm. and through three commercial sets in whatever show I was watching uh, I noticed every single commercial used instrumental music and I remember not that long ago probably 2009 through 2012 they were looking for a lot of songs I feel good it's a beautiful day mm -hmm. that kind of stuff now it seems it's very derogatory to um, just use instrumental stuff and I was quite shocked at how simple the instrumentals were in some really big mainstream commercials for huge products and it was clearly high quality library music. It wasn't scored to picture or anything. Right. So I, I took that as a good sign. And I actually have thought about doing a uh, panel at this year's Road Rally where I just take a bunch of commercials. And, and we're not picking and choosing, but I will take uh, half an hour of commercials as they came to me at home, record them, and then play them back. And we can discuss them at the rally. Yeah. I mean, you hear it everywhere. I mean, you hear like even in the YouTube clips yeah. when I'm at home or even here, like checking out a referenced artist or something like that. When they pop up, you just it's so, um, you know, at being a, a musician, it's it's easy to kind of key into some of those things and 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 try to, you know, say, hey, maybe I'll try to write something like that, yeah. you know, today capture the spirit of that to kind of develop those instrumental writing skills, you know, to see um, what's what's hot and, you know, it's not. What, what works. You know? I absolutely had that same thought last night that someday, and I know I talk about retirement a lot, but it's years away, but someday when I retire and I build my home studio, uh, uh, I would do that. I, I would just make a list of... Uh, the types of things, not do it just like this, but the types of things that get used most often. And sit down every day and try and do a track like this, try and do a track like that. Yeah. And build a library of things that you see getting used all the time so that your stuff gets used as well. Uh, oh, this is a great question. Uh, it's from Stephen and a song. Have you seen better results from people that stick with one genre compared to writing in multiple styles? It's a really good question. It is a great question because um, there isn't one defined answer for that. I think we all like have our strong suit, what we're, what we're really good at. Um, and sometimes it's hard to break into those other genres. Um, I think it takes a lot of practice. I think you have to really um, immerse yourself in, if you're going to write um, indie folk versus traditional folk or Americana, 
you've got to really like immerse yourself in in all of the bands that are that are popular and you have to kind of pick up what they're doing um, differently to that that puts that indie stamp on it you know um, which is really kind of hard to describe but easy to hear yeah I think if you if you really like listen, um, you can pick up that stuff. Um, I think those are the people that are that are most successful with it. Um, and I've heard over you know um, the past couple years of me being here, people that have tried to do that, and some people are successful, some people um, improve, mm -hmm. some people you know um, it just depends. There's not a there's not a real defined answer for that. Um, but it is, it's, it, I think it's all about really um, saying to yourself, um, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to really get into this and try to figure it out. Not kind of like half-assing it and being like, oh, well, I'm going to listen to this one song and, and do it based upon that. Right. You know? And it go take, find one, one loop at Fruity Loops and use it right out yeah, of the box. Yeah. I mean, it takes a deep understanding of a genre to be able to write in it, I think. You know? We have a member uh, that is probably best known amongst his fellow members in the companies that have signed him. Uh, his name is Owen Chame, and Owen does exceedingly good 90s hip-hop. Mm -hmm. And I just interviewed him a couple months ago for the Taxi Passenger Profile in our newsletter, and last night uh, or yesterday afternoon I was editing part two of that interview, and I asked him, you know, uh, how important are the beats? Because I, I just don't get it. I All beats sound kind of equally as good to me. And mm -hmm. I guess there's an assumption that if they've made it to radio, they are good. And, and I said, what is it? Is it, you know, the, the kick drum? Is it the hi-hat? And he said, you know, actually, in a lot of cases, it is the hi-hat that differentiates between like 90s hip hop and more contemporary stuff, because nowadays, the hi-hat will do 30 seconds or 60 fourths and do, you know, like a 30-second mm -hmm. roll coming out of something going into the next thing. So I thought that was an interesting observation that something as little as tweaking your hi-hat could make you sound more yeah. contemporary. It's picking up all the nuances and and knowing what what the production kind of aesthetic is. That's a good word for it. Uh, you're right. It, it's... You can't help but learn by osmosis if you li listen to enough. Mm -hmm. It may be hard for you. It may, you know, maybe a genre that you realize is a money maker. Let's take hip hop, and you know that. I mean, if there was a genre that I had to pick that I wish I made because the industry wants it all the time and they don't seem to get enough of it, it would be hip hop. I know nothing about hip hop. And I would just immerse myself and spend like a month listening to hip hop for hours a day you couldn't help but learn. Yeah, and you know, talk to people um, that are that are good at it. I know the message board, yeah. you know, that that'd be a great place to connect and, and ask questions and say, you know, like what you know, like what am I doing, you know, here that I could do better to make it more lend itself to being more um, in this genre. Um, you know, little things is the melody um, you know, is the melody in the right spirit? Is the vocal tone like in the right place? You know, just all those little things that add up to making it sound authentic to the genre. I worry a little bit that the, uh, maybe it's to some degree taxi, to some degree the industry overall, but libraries um, now want stuff that sounds like records. 
the expect the level of expectation has been raised because the mm -hmm. capability for producing better stuff has been raised but yet i hear other genres for those of you who don't have great production chops focus on indie and indie folk because even though it, it sounds raw and ragged it still does take skill to make it but it's a an easier skill set i believe um, using a guitar with thick rusty strings um, less instruments involved not a lot of beat driven stuff involved so yeah but you have to like scott says really absorb it in no and you have genre. to make sure that each t like you're not using like um make sure that your kick drum sounds organic you know don't just use an 808 the, the same <laughs> well true but don't just pull just a pat like a just a regular kick sound and yeah. because that's the thing that gives like um uh, the Lumineers guide, like all that energy, because each kick, just like each, each, you know, it's it's random, you know, it's not just the same yeah. thing every time. So um, obviously, it can be difficult if you're just doing it at home by yourself. But um, you know, there are ways to to approximate, you know, different attack times. You just gave me a sets. great idea. I remember going to a flea market and seeing part of an old beat-up drum set and the guy wanted like 20 bucks for a, a kick without a head but it had a pedal a working pedal with it and i think a floor tom i would buy that knowing this i would buy that put a head on the kick and then lay down a kick from uh you know software but then follow it with the real kick yeah. drum with hardly any damping on it and mic it from eight feet away yeah and a room mic and then back off the real kit or back off the you know the software kit totally and then you would have it damn gotta spend more time at uh those things uh do edit points need to have complete silence oh boy am i glad you're asking this uh i think we talked about this last time uh or is it okay if you can still hear reverb decaying through them i'm gonna let scott take the majority of this but i want to mention an edit point doesn't mean a quarter note, half note, or full note rest. It just means something solid that you can cut on. So I'm going to let Scott talk about if you can have reverb going through it or ring out I from think, the guitar. I think you can have, um, it just has to feel like it, there's a new movement, you know, um, that, that there's some sort of um, transition happening, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's, it, it has to be silent. Um, it just has to feel... Um, like something's, you know, that something's um, ending and something's beginning in, in a fluid kind of manner, you know, that just kind of hits you, in my opinion. Okay, one more question, then we're going to listen to a song. And the question, uh, do screeners listen to all of the alas before critiquing? I've received feedback that was in direct contrast to an ala. Okay. Um, it just depends. I mean... Uh, if I if I know the artist, you know, then 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 I don't necessarily need to listen to it. Um, but if there are particular um, nuances to a to a song that was requested, then I'll go and listen to it and, and make notes as to like um, what's what you know what happens in these songs and and compare them to um, you know the track. Um, there are times where I've called you down here because I was the intake person on listing for like a big ad agency thing or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I'll ask Scott or, or the other screeners to actually come down to my office so that I can fill them in. Not that there's anything that we don't tell you guys, but I can give them the, uh, yeah, they like that song, but they don't want to clone it and be loose about what you forward. You know, mm -hmm. I can give them notes. Again, not hiding anything from you guys. There's no good reason we would hide anything from you, but to enrich what they feel. Yeah, to give with. us a little more um, insight. I guess, you know. Um. Oh, Andy has a good suggestion. He says, I uh, have a, a page on the Taxi website where you give good examples of easy edit points and buttoned endings. We've done a Taxi TV on that, but I like that idea, Andy. Uh, making a note, and let's listen to another song. Uh, Andy says, edit point and button page. But I, I think there's usually about 10 minutes of, of prep time that goes between um, get looking at a listing and starting to screen on it, mm -hmm. um, going through the listing and finding key words and things like that that, 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 um, that stand out that you need to look for, which I think can apply to, to the members as well when they're deciding whether they should submit to something. Uh, it, is it a fair statement, because we were honest in answering Paulie's question, is it a fair statement that you sit there scratching your heads, uh, scratching your head like other screeners going, did they even bother to listen to the references? I get that sometimes, yeah, um, where you feel like it's it's pretty far off, off. But then there's always that thought that I'm thinking that maybe they, they were like, okay, like, I know this, maybe they know, but they feel like if, if they just listen to it, that it'll, they'll think it's perfect for it, which unfortunately we have to stick with what the requester yeah. asks for, you know? Yeah, this so. is pretty heartbreaking when you hear a great song and, and you know they submitted it for the, if they hear it, they'll forward it because it's great factor, but we can't. We got to make the guys on the other side, you know, we're always stuck in the middle of trying to do the right thing for them and do the right thing for you. Okay, moving on to another song. This one is called Lifeboat. And I wish I could tell you the artist's name because it's a really cool name. Oops, there we go. Is this an artist pitch or is this... Uh, let me look at my sheet. Where the hell did my sheet go? Yes, artist pitch. Okay. Is there more to life than riches and power? And if it all adds up to nothing, what's the use of being the queen? Chance and I laid down my guard. 
Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I think the vocal, um, it's a nice vocal. Um, expressive tone. Um, one thing that kind of came through to me was that the production felt a little bit behind the times. Mm -hmm. um, this being in um, the guitar tone and that little approach that happens in the, the, the undercurrent of the chorus. It kind of just felt like a little bit like, like almost like 80s kind of like heart kind of vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and not, again, not a bad thing, but it does, it doesn't really, in an artist pitch scenario, it doesn't present it as totally current and here in the now. Um, the melody 
um, the bass is good, but I felt like there were there's room for that to for it to be a little more fluid and and to develop as the as the track progresses. Um, the chorus um, felt like it needed something more um, weight wise, whether it be mm. a double or a harmony. Um, lyrically, I, I kind of went to a more kind of like um, Disney place with the with the with the lyric theme, like um, like it's very d descriptive and and there's there's good imagery, but it 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 almost felt like something you might hear in a dis you know like a like like a Disney movie. A lot of people were uh, spitting out "Wind Beneath My Wings," okay, which would be what nineteen. 82 or something like that or 79 it was way back there and this does have a melodic similarity to the chorus yeah um, or maybe it was in the verse actually um the castle with the moat line felt a little forced um um i do like the little um melodic flourish that happens on the tail of the bridge um in that line it's just the way it goes um i felt like um, in the mid part of the bridge, though, the the musical energy could have had one of those dunum boom, you know, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? Because like like the the percussive element was was good, but it didn't. It felt like it needed more a little a little flourish in the mix there. Um, the tail, which was this breakdown part uh, verse, if you will, mm -hmm. um, felt like it could have used. A more distinct build as as it progressed you know so that it starts and then and then after line one it just section, starts to it just starts to slowly come up you know it had little weird but likable percussion thing yeah. going on in there and I remember I made a note about that percussion I thought that that was kind of cool and I, I actually heard that percussion and thought gosh I wonder if you could make the whole song sound more modern by taking that percussion, basing the song around that, mm -hmm. oh, there was something about it that caught my attention. Um, I think overall, um, I, I I could have the 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 chorus payoff could have like been a, a little hookier, like it could have like it could have like caught somehow. Um, um, you know, I like the tune, but for an artist pitch, I just don't feel like it has that current sensibility. I'm I'm curious. How long ago was this done? I mean, it sounds well recorded, well yeah, produced. Yeah, the 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 the, um, the tones are you know the mix is is well balanced and yeah and yeah. So I'm wondering, is it a bunch of guys who are my age that have those sensibilities and what they play that played on this six months ago and they made it sound less than contemporary? Was it the producer has less than contemporary ears, or was it done 15 years ago? Which probably not, because it sounds pretty modern as far as the recording goes. Mm -hmm. But any of those variables can make something sound a little dated, and uh, it, it's tough. If you walked into a record label with this, to the vice president of A&R and played it for them, they would discount it very quickly because the data quality comes through. Now the, this is tough for us, for the screeners. Let's talk about this for a minute. It is it, tough. Because, because the, if, if this person played this for a hundred of their friends, 99 of them would go, 
wow, that's awesome because they couldn't do it and it sounds professional and it sounds mm -hmm. well done. Yeah, it is well melodic, done. Every, it's got a lot of stuff going for it. So know that if you're watching the show. But people on the industry side would discount it quickly because of the dated factor. Yeah. And as heartbreaking as that is, it's reality. Now, somebody in the audience could say, well, I hear a lot of stuff on the radio. It sounds very 80s. 80s influenced versus 80s dated. Right. So right. just know that it's that's just, a tricky line and another one. It is. It just comes down about. to you're thinking market, marketability for an artist pitch, and it just doesn't have those 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 it just doesn't fall into line with with what's currently um hot as an artist pitch from a melodic and production standpoint you know and you could probably take it and find a, a hip-hop beat done with hand drums and cool percussion and look at the song in a whole other more contemporary way and bring it into a more modern perspective mm -hmm. but there were a couple lyric lines that would throw you back out again i really did love this line though and happiness for me is a luxury that's almost song worthy right there oh yeah happiness is a luxury um, that would be very syncable in some movies it's it's a it's a great line anyway again you know th these are the tough ones for the screeners there's nothing at all that sucked about this this was not bad in any way shape or form but it wasn't contemporary. They're looking for A plus, and this is like a B plus, yeah, or an A minus, you know. But um, and it's the the modern modernity factor. I threw out a big word today. Um, somebody asked a question just as we were going into song. I, I stayed up late looking for big words for today's show. <laughs> um, do clients, do taxi clients ever ask for a specific number of songs? We get asked that from time to time. Not very often. I mean, it's extremely rare. Like, you know, we run a hundred listings in a month. I'd say maybe once or twice a year, maybe three times in a year, somebody will say, don't send me much. I can think of one music supervisor I know who would, um, well, John would be one. John Hulahan. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he would say, dude, very, you know, send me the cream of the cream of the cream, uh, like three things. Now, we also know him well enough that if we heard stuff that is worthy of his pickiness level, we would shoot him an email and say, we're sending you five, but you're not going to hate us for that. Right. And he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, I, can, I, can... I think the bottom line: if the songs are, if the songs are meet the listing criteria and they're and they're great, they're going to go through. Yeah. By the way, I think you were one of, if not the screener. Do you remember? We had a listing right before the road rally for blues rock stuff, um, and it was for a listing we ran for a panel at the road rally, which we rarely do. But uh, music supervisor Frank Palazzolo was looking for stuff. Uh, he'd already done, the scene had already aired, but we were looking for stuff to plug into a scene from a show that I can't remember the name of, but it's a bunch of cops that live together in a cool beach house. It's a, it's on the US Na USA network, I think. Um, oh, what's the name where Elvis lived? Uh, Graceland? Yeah, that was the name of the show, Graceland. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that I told the staff, be picky in what we send him. Uh, which we always are anyway, but 
we're being more picky than usual because I wanted Frank to be impressed with us. He's a friend, but I also, on a professional level, I wanted him yeah, to be impressed. Yeah, to knock him out. Yeah, and he made a remark from the stage, which was the nicest thing I've ever heard come out of an industry person's mouth on the stage at the Road Rally. When he played those songs, either we sent him five or seven forwards, and he said, any one of those would have worked in this show. That's great. Yeah, so if you were the screener on that, nice work, Scott. And nice work. I was a screener people. on that. <laughs> nice work for the people who submitted it. So yeah, it, 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 it's extremely rare. But and and it and it goes back to um, to the dilemma that we face when yeah. we listen to the song, listen to songs because you know we want we want to send through great stuff, um, and we we want to. Let me start over. We want to make this the list, the member and the music supervisor or whoever requests it, yeah, happy, um, because that reflects on us. You know, either way, if we send through a bunch of things that are off target, then then maybe they're not going to, you know, come to us the next time. I, they, who knows? Right. But, we get two of those mistakes, I think. But but um, but uh, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, one of the things I listed in that we've covered a lot of the stuff just by chit-chatting, uh, but one of the things that we mentioned or I mentioned in the email that went out today, if the screeners, will the screeners forward something that's not on target but really great? And we did cover that already. Yeah. Um, will the screeners return something that's really close if there's one little thing wrong? That's a question a lot of people wonder about. Um, I think if there is a broadcast quality thing, then that can that could be a reason. If there's like some sort of some sort of uh, melodic choice or something that I that maybe didn't quite sit well, then no, that, that that would have no effect. But if there was something that was related to broadcast quality, whether it be some sort of misedit in the in a vocal breath that was like I'll I'll hear that sometimes you know you'll hear a lot of misedits mm. between breaths and it's like you've got to really like make sure that those are natural sounding that could be a deal breaker the people you know? at home would ask well gee if if it's that small of a thing um, wouldn't you forward it to them and then they would reach out to me and ask me for a version? <laughs> See, he's laughing. <laughs> and he's going to tell you why he's laughing in a moment. But the question would be, from those who don't live in our world, is couldn't you forward, if that's all it is, is editing on breaths and vocals, but the song is really awesome for the placement, wouldn't they just reach out to me, meaning the supervisor reach out to you, the artist, and, and say, send me a better one? Why not? Well, it's just going to be too hard. It's it's too hard of a process for them to come back and and you know and and make it all happen because most of the time they're on deadlines. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just feel like you should just put your best foot forward from the get go. Make sure everything's edited. Make sure there are no no um, you know plosives or any anything that would jump out at someone that has a pair of headphones on because. You know, who knows what kind of listening environment your um, your uh, your music supervisor is on, um, and when they get to the mix stage and they pull it up in the big you know yeah. room and they start hearing all kinds of 
because everything's, <laughs> everything's going to pop out there. They're going to say this doesn't work. You need to find something else. You know. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the dis different listening environments that music supervisors have. It's a myth that supervisors sit in their office listening to music all day long. They they will all tell you they listen to music less than twenty or ten percent of the time. That they're busy making phone calls and negotiating fees and soothing pissed off producers, all that kind of stuff. But uh, let's take John and Julie and not mention them by name necessarily. Um, but a husband and wife that are both supervisors, you know they listen in bed off of their iPads wearing headphones that, you know, one might be watching TV and the other one is trying to make a deadline for a breakfast meeting. So they could be listening on earbuds or they could be listening on $500 headphones. In either case, they're not listening casually. Right. I think I think anyone that's that has a project that they're working on, they they would need they're they're going to be focused on what they want. You know, they might be going, bink. This is about the speed. If you were in the room and Frank Palazzolo did that panel last year, he was listening to stuff for about da 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 da. Nope. Nope. Yep. Put that one in the maybe file. Ooh, I like that one. Okay, let's fast forward through it. Uh, oh, it's growing. It's it's got an arc. Yep. Okay, that one goes in the maybe file. That's about how fast he was working. Then I would assume, and uh, pretty sure about this, he would go back and listen to the stuff in the possible or maybe file very carefully. Sure. Looking for anything that would get him a a, a, a check mark, a bad check mark from the producer, the the showrunner. Yeah, I think I mean maybe listen to it, you know, with listen to it next to picture to see yeah. if it see how well it flows. He um, was actually doing the da 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 to picture. Oh, was he? Yeah, cool. Was, I gotta tell you, man, that guy is like grease lightning, uh, and very easy to respect. Okay, let's listen to another song. We're moving right along today, aren't we? Um, this one is called New Day, and this is either an artist pitch or film and TV pitch. It's a multi-purpose one. All right. Here we go. Whoops, no we don't. There we go.
Was it a breakthrough? Uh, Maybe a breakthrough? It's not on the lyric sheet. Let's go back a little. And find, we're gonna re-listen. Only it. because that was the that was what really grabbed me. Like that felt like the chorus, you know. Uh, where in the pre-chorus? The, the end, the very oh, end of okay. the song. There. We're gonna. Like to me, if that appeared earlier on in the song. Like that, to me, is the hook. Yeah, it's rhythmically better. Yeah. Um, I think she's just scatting. That, that to me, is the is like the is the most is the strength of the song right there. And there's your song. Yeah. <laughs> um, See, that's how people listen. Uh, yeah, that's the one. That's I mean, I think the musical hook, the the instrumental hooks that come after. The, the indiv individual parts are really energetic and mm -hmm. hooky and cool. Um, I didn't quite feel connected that much to the lyric theme um, because the lyrics felt a little predict the rhyme schemes felt a little predictable. Um, it was a little general. Um, the melody felt a little bit on the grid. It didn't have that type of type of kind of, um, uh, energetic spirit that the end had, where it just felt like so. Yeah, that's a song, right? Yeah, 
Um, the chorus didn't really have that distinct chorus feel. You know what I mean? It just felt like another extension of the pre-chorus. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a strong song in here, but I feel it would need it would need some some work to 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 put what really connects well um, up front and throughout, and to um, kind of write a lyric theme that is relatable but kind of has the writer's own personal kind of like inventiveness in it you know like let's let's take this common theme and really kind of make it put put you know your own kind of personal stamp if you will on it i found it you to know? be pretty incongruous lyrically you know people say that life's not fair and it's filled with much despair uh, you don't know that it's going to go the next line. It's never made much sense. It was always so intense. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to this explosive EDM part that's like, whoo, whoo, get out, yeah. put your hands in the air. I, it feels like two different songs. I have to say I'm really optimistic about the song, though, because I feel it's just there, ready, you know. It just needs to be kind of put in the right kind of order. We should have a show, or we should do a show where we take a song that needs surgical help and edit it on the show. Whether we're right, wrong, successful or not, I think it would be interesting um, for people who can't do it yet at home to see mm -hmm. the possibilities that can happen through editing. So maybe we'll make that a show. But yeah, that that be, uh, for those um, watching, um, the end doesn't really ha it doesn't really say that that was going to happen it just looked like another continuation so when it did come in I'm, i said to michael what is she saying what is she saying because that's that that to me was the moment that that felt that was the hook yeah to repeat myself again that's okay i do it all the time that's these guys i do it every week i do it i'll say the same thing in every episode because i'm trying to make things stick um all right, uh, let us answer a couple more questions. We've got one more to listen to. I'm going to run over and warm up the air conditioner because it's gotten to that point in the day where it's cold on the tops of my legs, and I'm not somebody who's afraid of the cold. So blurt out some questions, ladies and gents. Do you have a low-end versus high-end criteria depending on the listing? Maybe a piece wouldn't make a penny dreadful episode, but be okay for a tiny cable show? <laughs> uh, you want me to take it? Yeah, in terms of bars, like high bar. Oh, or... I think meant we're going to one. Okay. Um, we could. <laughs> we could do a taxi TV in a bar. In a bar. We should do that. I don't drink well, so that would be pretty funny. Um, We'd have to call Kevin for that. Definitely. Because he gets really funny. Uh, okay, so if the question is, do we have different bars? Yeah, uh, not very often. Look, most of the time the bar is, it's got to be pretty darn good. But there are rare occasions. There's never a low bar, I think. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing a low yeah, bar. Yeah, everything has to be um, up there. But I think, I think there are times when... I think I've read in a listing before where it says the so this person is open to hearing right a lot of stuff. a lot of stuff, and I think that means 
that things that are close on the line? Uh, that happens under two sets of circumstances, I believe. One is a company that's never run a listing with us before, and they're afraid we're going to miss something. So they'll say, mm -hmm. you know, send me the stuff that's marginal. And we say, okay, whatever floats your boat. And then they call us afterwards and say, I didn't mean send me 87 things. And the stuff we sent, none of it was bad. Some of it was just, you know, like A minus or B plus. Mm -hmm. And they go, wow, but I did hear a lot of A plus, so send me that. The other circumstance would be if they're looking for a lyric fit, if they need a, a lyric about death and dying, and they don't really know, like the, the director of the film or the music supervisor, the producer, whomever is involved in the project, they know that they need a song that's depressing and it's about death and dying, but they're not really sure what form it's going to take. That might be a case where they say, anything that's about death and dying that's not ridiculously bad, send it to me. That makes, yeah, that sounds familiar, like a situation like that. Yeah, but, but those are pretty few and far between. And we will put it in the listing. Like I said, there is never anything that we hide from you guys, ever. If we know it, you know it. And we go to great lengths to find out. Um, <laughs> my drink lately has been coffee flavored with vodka. Or with flavored vodka. There you go. Anybody ever try a B-52? Uh, do the screeners have more info on the client's needs than we get in the listing? I think I just answered that, but Scott, you tell them in your own no, words. No, uh, I, I get exactly what you guys get. And um, beyond those times where, you've, where you mentioned earlier where you might have an extra little insight or something, um, maybe you got that post you know, yeah, it, it, those are those are extremely rare, and it may be a case. Uh, it's usually when one of my friends in the advertising world is running the listing, and I just know that this guy he'll say in the listing. Um, funny enough, this particular guy always ran listings that said, um, "I want fades rather than buttoned endings." Uh, I might call Scott or other screeners that are on that listing down here and say, okay, so you got what it says, right? And he does say he wants fades, but trust me, if you hear something great that's got a buttoned ending on it, forward it anyway, because the guy's not going to hate my guts. He's a friend. So that kind of stuff. We're, we're, it's not like we're hiding information that would help you get over the bar. Um, Ooh, this is a great question. Are there ever any internal taxi employee group listening sessions to ensure screener consistency? I want to make one thing clear. The screeners are all independent contractors. They, they work for themselves. Um, Scott is a, a, an artist and a producer and engineer, so he does stuff outside of here. Um, so that, I'm going to answer this two ways and have Scott answer this as well. I will on occasion, I don't do it often enough, but sometimes just for the edification of people on the staff that are doing uh, more admin-based stuff, I will maybe bring them a song and say, listen to this, this is a great example of something. Um, probably, gosh, six months ago or something, I brought a bunch of staff members in my office and played them great examples of library music, just so that they could answer phone calls better. 
Um, do you want to answer the part about what we do with screeners as far as edification or trying? I don't think we ever try to get you all on the same page. No, I think we all come um, to taxi with our strengths, mm -hmm. and I and I think you guys um, line us up with um, listings that that kind of fall into what we're good at screening. Um, so I think that's the that's where you vet, you know, us out based yeah. upon our past work and um, you know. And the work you do here, because yeah. we look at that stuff. If we get complaints from members, this guy certainly doesn't know anything about orchestral composition. Um, and if we hear that, you know, we're always going to hear a complaint or two from people that tend to complain. But if there's any sort of consistent thread of complaint, then we go look at that screener. And we do, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but we have somebody that checks the critiques before they go out the door. We have somebody else that checks the forwards before they go out the door. We really have a lot of quality control built into what we do. Um, Robin Frederick um, still uh, consults for us on, on a consulting basis. And she's been known, uh, especially when she was head screener, where she would bring in a group of screeners if she felt that the quality of the critiques had dipped maybe 10%. She would bring in four or five screeners in a conference room. I don't know if you were ever part of one of those or not. Probably not, because you get everything right a lot. Um, you know, uh, I I remember when when I first got brought in, Robin was instrumental in in showing me the ropes. Mm -hmm. Like she just she she just knew you know just in terms of how to you know how to write a critique and how to you know how to do it, um, which which it is it does take. A voice. Or a, yeah, you have to figure out. You know, you've got to. You've got to. You know, there is a, a method, um, and I think everyone has their own little way of doing it. But in the end, you end up with, with um, you know, points that are that are positive and points that maybe could use you know some attention. So you have to, and you have to all kind of say that in in a way that um, that I feel like anyone would want it to be said to them in a constructive way. You know. Almost all the screeners are themselves yeah. uh, musicians, so they they get it. They wouldn't want anybody to talk to them uh, like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, you know, we have some music supervisors that in between gigs, look, they don't like to have a month off any more than anybody else does, and the screeners get paid really well here. So we have music soups that will come in and work for two or three weeks or a month or two and then disappear on us for six months if they get on a great project. They are very often the most harsh and have the least amount of musical advice for the members. I remember we had one, one screener, I don't know if you know him or not, but the guy's got an incredible resume and he mm -hmm. said, sounds like your voice, your vocal was sung in a well. Yeah. And the member went ballistic, and I can't blame the member. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, there's a there. Yeah, when you when you come at come from it come at it from a creative play like a like a singer songwriter kind of place, you know, there's a better way to say that where you don't you know like <laughs> I might have had a little bit too much reverb on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Versus sounds like you were singing from the bottom of a well. Yeah. A hole was the inference. You know, it's right. like you don't know anything, and, and so. We would call this screener up or talk to him when he came in the next time. 
you know, would you want to be treated like that? Because, yeah, I'd want people to be honest with me. But you can be honest and not an a-hole. Yeah, agreed. Uh, <laughs> from the bottom of a well. Uh, okay, uh, we have one more song and we've got time. So let's listen to one more song. And this one cool. is film and TV and it's called Look Back. took your first step You started walking away from me On your way to all you'll ever be And though it didn't amount to much When you fell and smiled at me The life I thought I knew had ceased to be And I know that from now on You'll wanna do this on your own But if ever you need me Just look back, look back Just look back and you will see You'll always have a place here with me and just look back Now that first step is long gone Footprints and carpet have faded But the memories get newer every day Because every moment is something else When the world is still brand new and where this goes from here is up to you And I know that from now on You'll wanna do this on your own But if ever you need me Just look back, look back, just look back Just look back
Just look back, look back, just look back and you will see. You'll always have a place here with me. Just look back, look back, just look back and you will see. You'll always have a place here with me. Just look back. All right. Okay. It's um, all you because I ran down to get headphones. Okay. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I think the vocal is really nice. Um, it, it just really, I just found myself really like feeling that the tone. Um, connecting with the tone, um, believing the vocal it was authentic. Um, Two very important words that pop up in our listings a lot. Yeah, and the industry demands it. Um, and the melody, the baseline melody of the song, I think is is strong. Um, what I feel. Um, oh, let me point out just one moment. I thought that was really nice. Um, the back half of the verse, where the where the melody kind of twists a little bit with the phrasing, um, and though it didn't amount to much when you fell and smiled at me. That, that I thought was really cool because um, it, didn't, it, it, it didn't feel um, like sometimes when things can feel a little on the grid. It just felt like it, it felt fluid. Mm -hmm. um, it was a nice, it was just nice development. Um, I will say this though, I feel like the vocal could use um, a little support throughout um, with either backgrounds um, or doubles, um, and I also feel that the vocal could do a little bit more, um, particularly on the back half, um, by going up in note range instead. You know, just to show some mm -hmm. development from the front half. Like on the, on, um, I think I might have wrote down the wrong one, but there was a moment um, either in the bridge or the final pre-chorus where I, it was just to me it was screaming to for the vocal to. to to go up in note range at the end of the line as opposed to kind of continuing down the same path. Um, I felt like the production was clean, but um, it felt to me a little underdeveloped. It sounded to me like, um, like it could use an additional flourish in the mix to give it a more genre-specific like, genre kind of identity, like whether it be you know, if you want to take this into country pop territory, um, of you know, some sort of some sort of texture or element, um, because right now it just sounds like a basic rhythm track with a guitar on top and a mm -hmm. vocal. Like it to me, it needs a little production development. It sounded non-committal. Yeah. Even though I missed thirty seconds of it by running down the hall. Uh, um, I agree. Uh, harmony on the chorus for sure, in my opinion. Um, but overall, a well-structured tune um, that that I think is is really off to a good start. I had a thought as I was opening the door and leaving my office. I remember thinking the producer in me would solve this problem, and I was thinking of the vocal because I felt like the singer could have been more committed. Although there was an honesty and believability and sincerity mm -hmm. to what he was doing. And I liked him. He was likable. Very likable. 
uh, I felt like it sounded a little timid, like he was a little unsure of his own capabilities. And I, and as I was running down the hall, I'm thinking, you know, I could sit there in the control room and I could light candles for the guy and I could say, sing it from your toes, make it come out through your mm-hmm. heart and out through your mouth, but he may never get there. And then as I was trotting back down the hall with the headphones in my hand, I remember thinking, this might be a case where I go intimate. Yeah. And, and just do a guitar vocal and have the guy this close, you know, can't really that close, like right up on the mic mm-hmm. and almost whispering it. Um, but then when you get to the chorus, it wants to grow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I could ever get from this vocalist the kind of oomph right. that I felt that it needed there. I think to start, it could use a little bit of um, roominess, like maybe just to, and it could be pulled back a little bit because it felt mm. really far out front. Mm-hmm. Um, not anything crazy reverb wise, but just a, it could just use a little bit of space. Um, um, that's a good example uh, relating to the question I was asked earlier about um, is there anything that would hold a song back if the song was working? So let's say that this was working on all cylinders for the particular listing. Um, they were looking for, you know, kind of an introspective, um, relationshipy song. And let's say that it was working in every other regard, but you felt that the vocal was a little out front. Would you hold this one? or a song like this back because the vocal is a little out front or would you say, um, think, gee, they won't disrespect In this it? case, I, I, it's not so far out front that it would, that it, that it, it would, would be a yeah. deal breaker. But there have been times when I felt like you, when the, when you get to the chorus, particularly um, if it's a rock song where you just, the vocal just takes over and mm-hmm. you can't feel the rhythm section, um, or any drive in the undercurrent where it does affect it. So if it's it, case by case. So if it's a little debatable, you may not hold it back, but if it's obvious to you and it's yeah, going to be obvious to them. I would always give the, I, like we said the last time, I think we always want the, the, the member, we always want to forward it and we're more inclined to pass it along than to, than to just say, no, that's not, you know, Right. If it's on the if it's on the line, that I I feel it usually falls in favor of a forward as opposed to a, a return. So etch that in stone. Um, okay, somebody asked about the headphones, and somebody else said I think they bring their own. We do have headphones here, and we do have computers for the screeners to listen on. I would say that the majority of them. Um, at least bring their own headphones, and that's because they want to work on something that they're familiar with, that where they know how a mix should sound on it. But if they don't, we have these bad boys. Ooh, really hard to get that working. There we go. Sony MDR XD100s. And we got these years ago. We, we used to have better headphones here way before you worked here. Mm-hmm. People were stealing them left and oh right. Oh, my goodness. We got to a point where we're, we were signing them out like library books, and people were still taking them and going, no, I, I, I signed the thing. Well, your name's not on there, and the headphones are gone. Well, I signed it. Somebody must have changed out the paper. It got to the point of yeah. being ridiculous. So, those, uh, are, those are pretty flat, and they're, they're perfectly fine to... To, to check out a mix. 
It's, that's what we did was we yeah. got like 10 different kinds of headphones that all fell within a range of like 75 to 300 dollars and we did blind taste testing with some of our better ears under the roof and the ones that they kept picking were these guys and these were relatively inexpensive mm -hmm. but they've held up well they they sound not unlike ns10s kind of yeah mediocre in they're, a good way they're 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 not hyped up which is great um and they're i mean they're they're across they're they're just true to you know yeah they they can they do the job you know no fat bottom end but you wouldn't want that um okay um uh, let's see oh somebody mentioned uh that they appreciated the fact that they've had some returns transform into forwards because of the feedback of the screeners i want you guys to know that when you guys post stuff on the screener section of the forum that we have somebody on staff that goes in and takes those off of there prints them out and we have a fairly nice kitchen in the taxi office and we hang those things up there for the screeners to read because we want these guys to know that there are people, yeah. human beings on the other end. And we get an email too that has the... Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. They forwarded yeah. the email of all so, that stuff to them because so, some yeah. of the screeners you know, don't come in very often. Um, what time is it? It's time to go. That's what time it is. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, so next week is Memorial Day Monday, so I'm not going to do a show. Um, the following week, I believe, will be the field trip to taxi member Chuck Henry's studio, and we are going to do something like we did with Steve Barden, where we're going to have Chuck build some tracks or break down tracks in the studio. I don't know if he's doing hip-hop or EDM or what he's doing, but something that's very beat-driven and, and more complex than what we did last time, which was pretty simple acoustic guitar-based um, uh, cues. So... Yep, NS10 is $250 a piece. That's actually a good price. Uh, all right, so, Scott, Just, thank you, man. Absolutely. Uh, did you want to add something? It sounded like you were... Oh, uh, you would need an amp to drive those, though. So. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and a good amp, because a good amp makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, all right. So, <laughs> I'm going to keep reading what you guys are saying. We'll hang out and watch the chat room afterwards. Anyway, thank you guys uh, for tuning in, and we will see you in two weeks. Yes, he did. He did a great job. See you on the exciting next episode in two weeks of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye, you guys. And thank you to all the folks who submitted. <laughs> <laughs>